0: Thanks for listening to this message from The Block KC. The Block KC exists to help young adults build their lives on what counts. We believe that is Jesus and what God has revealed in His Word. We'd love to see you next Thursday, 7 p.m., at Lenexa Baptist Church. Now, let's listen to this week's message. Block, Kansas City, how we living? All right, hey, y'all, I have an apology because I forgot, our our social media team asked me to make a video today for the Block to put on social media. I forgot to do it, so we're just gonna do it really quick. We're just gonna do it live. So I'm gonna give a quick intro and I'm just gonna say, what up Block, KC, And I turn around, I just want you guys to make some noise for me, okay? So quiet for a moment and then you'll know when the queue is, because you'll see me turn around. Oh, that's the wrong way. Hey, what up, Block AC? Hope you're doing well. Can't wait to see you this Thursday night. We're going to be continuing on with our series, Footsteps of the Faithful, and we'll see y'all here. Hey, that was good. I appreciate that, y'all. Hey, tonight we are continuing our Footsteps of the Faithful series. Uh, We asked the questions last week, what is faith and what does it do? And we looked at God's definition of faith. And God in his word says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then, like Charlie said, we looked at the life of a man named Abel, and we see that faith sacrifices greatly. We see that faith pleases God, and we saw that faith always speaks. But tonight, we're going to be talking about how do we have faith in God for a lifetime? Because if we're honest with ourselves, right, it's hard to carry on some of our beliefs uh, for, the, for, you know, the whole of our lives, much less 30 years. Uh, when I was nine years old, that's as all good stories start, start wow, stories start, uh, I believed that Santa Claus was real. I remember looking up in the sky, I remember not believing in Santa Claus and then looking up in the sky on Christmas Eve and seeing what was probably a plane and being like, oh my goodness, Santa Claus is real. This whole time, I had no idea. And uh, that obviously went away. There was a big shell shock to learn that Santa was not real. Uh, When I was 13 years old, I believed that it was cool to wear a visor backwards and upside down. I'm not entirely sure why, but high school hit me hard, needless to say. Uh, When I was in high school, when I was about 18, I thought that I was the coolest guy around. Like, I just thought that I was the smartest guy around, the coolest guy around, and needless to say, college hit me really hard. It was good for me. Uh, And when I was 28 years old, I—so, four months (laughs) ago— I believed, I cannot believe this, I believed that if you put the stove too high when you're boiling water, it would burn. I'm not entirely sure why. Like, I believed that you could burn the water. And you can ask Luke Hoagland for the full story, but needless to say, it takes about 20 less minutes to make pasta now, which is phenomenal. Um, I make a lot more pasta these days. And the reason why all of these beliefs failed is because that they were tested at some point. And at some point they were all proven to be untrue. And so tonight it's relevant to us because all of us have faith in what we are building our life on. And you might be building your life on a worldview. Right? You might be building your life on a way of, of, of life or some kind of plan that you came up with when you were younger or some desires that you have or the, the way that your family has always done things or the way that your friends have always done things. And you might be building your life on something different every month. You might be like, I don't really know. I just kind of try something new every month. May's coming up. I'm not sure what it's going to be then. But ultimately, all of these things will be tested. And ultimately, each of these things will let you down. So tonight we're gonna look at building our lives on something that can never let us down and that's God's promises to us. And a promise is a guarantee that's made by a person and God has made these guarantees to us and he's asked us to have faith or to build our lives on what he has promised us. And the key to this is that just like any belief or faith or promise, God's promises will be tested throughout the outcome of our lives. And all of us, Right, We've all been there. We've either made or been given promises that at some point were broken. And so when we talk about building our lives on God's promises, that can be a little intimidating. Because we know that promises aren't always kept. But if we want to build our life on what counts, which is the whole goal of the Block KC, then we need to look at an example of people who have built their life on God's promises and look at the outcome of their lives, And then we can have confidence that if we follow their example and imitate their faith, then we can have the same kind of outcome. And so tonight we're going to continue on in Hebrews 11. We're going to look at the lives of Abraham and Sarah. And all Abraham and Sarah really had were the promises that God had given them. So this will allow us to look at the promises that God has given us. Let's pray and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we are... Uh, God, just as we were singing earlier, there really is nothing better than you. Uh, God, you are the glorious God. You are all-powerful. You are almighty. You have all wisdom. You're a loving God, and you're good. And God, I am humbled to know that you have given us promises in your word. And so, God, tonight I would pray that just for everyone in this room, myself included, God, would we take a serious look at what we're building our lives on and what actually are, are, are the outcome of our actions, God? And would you help us to build our life on your promises? God, would you help us to focus on you? God, would you help us to have the faith to look at Abraham and Sarah's life and want to imitate that? And so we just pray all this through your son's name, Jesus, amen. All right, so we'll start in Hebrews eleven eight. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and flip there. If you don't, everything will be up on the screen. And as, as a side note on that, I wanna say this. God's word is where God's promises are found. And so, if you want to know God what God has promised you, you need to know God's Word. And I cannot encourage you enough to be regularly reading God's Word. I cannot encourage you enough to have a Bible. If you don't have one, we'd love to equip you with one. You can stop by the Connect Center after this. But really, if we want to build our lives on God's promises, it, these are found in His Word, and that's where we have to be. So with that, we're starting off with Hebrews 11, 8 and 9. So a little background on Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Uh, They were Sumerians, for those of you who like history, and specifically ancient history. And they lived around 4,000 years ago in a city called Ur in Mesopotamia, which is modern-day Iraq. And Hebrews 11, what it's talking about, is referencing God's call to Abraham. It's found in Genesis 12. And it goes a little something like this. When Abraham was 75 years old, God spoke to him, and he tells him, Abraham, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your land. I want you to leave your inheritance, and I want you to take your wife and everything that you have, and you're going to go to a faraway land where God promised him many descendants and to give him land and blessings that would in turn go out and bless the entire world. And we might be familiar with this story. If you're not, that's totally okay. But if you grew up hearing this story, I want to reemphasize how crazy this is. Like, first of all, just imagine that you're old, right? Okay, put yourself there. Some of you guys are like, I don't wanna imagine that I'm 75. I can't even imagine being 30. It's not as bad as it seems. I'm not quite there yet, but just imagine you're old, right? You've got the wrinkles, you've got the joint pain, you know, you've got the hearing loss, the gray hair, And God shows up to you, and he says, take everything you have, empty your bank accounts into cash, load everything up in the car, say bye to your family, get on I-70, and drive. And I'm not going to tell you where you're going, but when you get there, I'm going to give you a lot of kids and some land. That is wild. I mean, that is absolutely crazy, right? No one in their right mind does that. That doesn't make any sense. And Abraham, it says, Abraham obeyed when he called to go. It means he just left. He just goes, oh, okay, let's do this. Which is wild if you begin to think about it. And it brings us to promise number one. God promises to change the course of your life. Now, is God calling you to get a U-Haul so that you can get some land in Scottsdale? Probably not. Don't move. Well, actually, Scottsdale is a great place, but don't move there. Stay in Kansas City. I don't think that's what he's calling us to. But Jesus does have a call on the course of our lives. And this may be new to you. In fact, it might be news to you that you even have a life course. Some of you might be like, oh, I'm just now hearing about this. I didn't know I had a life course. This is exciting. Uh, and that's okay. You might not have really ever thought about it. And that's totally fine. But you could be like Abraham. Maybe you do have a life course. And his life course was really to stay put. He thought, I'm just gonna live my life. I'm gonna do exactly what my parents have done. I'm gonna continue on in what I have and I'm just gonna get this inheritance one day and why move anywhere and why go anywhere with my life? It seems pretty good right here. And maybe you're in the same way. You think, man, I've just kind of been doing what I have always done and it feels pretty good, so why leave? And regardless of where you're at in your life course, Jesus has a call for you. And his call is very simple. It's to follow him. And it's not any different than the call that Jesus gave Abraham 4,000 years ago. Follow me in faith to a new life. That is the exact same promise that Jesus is calling us to today. Follow me in faith to a new life. And it does, it looks different than it did today for Abraham and Sarah, but Jesus outlines the details of his call to us in Luke 9:23. Luke 9:23 says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Which means that if anyone wants to follow God's call like Abraham did, then they, want, they have to deny themselves or repent or turn or say, I'm not going to live the life that I was living And two, they have to trust God's plan and take up their cross like Jesus did. And you might be asking the question, what does it mean to deny ourselves, right? We don't really say that ever in today's world. Uh, But we can talk about what it certainly looked like for Abraham and Sarah to see as a starting point. And we know actually from Genesis 12, 5, that they were actually already pretty wealthy. But it did mean giving up on an even bigger family fortune. They were walking away from their inheritance, They were also walking away from everything that was comfortable. They were walking away from everything that was familiar. The book of Joshua says that Abraham and Sarah were idol worshipers. And so denying themselves meant that they were going to serve a new God. And so you look at them, and their religion is changing. Their life course is changing. The place that they're living is changing. Their financial status is changing. Everything about their lives, they're willing to say, yeah, I'm I'm willing to change all this for the sake of knowing God and the sake of following God's promises. And so for you, I don't know specifically what denying yourself will mean. But it could mean saying no to dreams and plans and hopes for your future that you have that are not in line with God's plan for your life. It could mean no, or saying no to old comfort or old familiarity that's taking you away from a relationship with God. And it might be looking at those things and saying, you know what, I'm not going to live that way anymore. It could say no to idols in your life, things that you trust instead of trusting God. Things like money or status or relationships or comfort. And it means, you know what, I'm not going to trust those things anymore. They're not going to be the foundation of my life. My life is going to revolve not around myself, but around God. And then you go out in faith to trust God and follow where he leads you, which he says is taking up your cross just like Jesus did. We actually just celebrated this this past weekend with Easter. Jesus was obedient to God the Father, Right, so God the Son was obedient to God the Father, and he did not want to die on the cross. The night before he was crucified, he said, God, if there's any other way, take this cup for me. I don't, I don't want to do this. But he said, but not my will, but yours. And Jesus was obedient to God the Father, and he said, I'm gonna be committed to follow God's plan instead of my own way. And in the exact same way, to follow God means that we are committed to, to following God's way over what we think, feel, hope, or dream. And you might be thinking, Nick, I thought we were going to talk about some promises. That doesn't really look like a promise. That just looks more like something that we have to do. But here's the promise right here. Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life For my sake will save it. God is promising to save your life. Apart from God, anything that we could live for, whether it's money or relationships or, or work or comfort, all of these things will fail you. You can lose a job. You can lose a loved one. A relationship cannot turn out the way you hope it will. We're not promised any of these things. But the one thing, the one person that will never fail you is God himself. And so he's inviting us to build our lives on his promises, which is something that lasts. And the thing that we see is that we can't follow God unless we first admit that we don't know where we're going. To deny ourselves means... I'm going to be humble, and I'm going to say, I don't know how to live my life. I don't know the best thing for me, but I'm going to trust that God does. And Abraham had to decide what he was going to build his life on. He was going to, had to decide, am I going to build my life on myself, or am I going to build my life on God? And he chose God. He chose to obey God's call on his life and trust his promises. And God never failed him. There was a young man born in the late 1800s. His name was William Borden. He was born into a really wealthy family. Uh, They were silver miners back in the 1800s, which I suppose gets you a lot of money. Um, He grew up with everything that he wanted, had absolutely anything that he could want. And when he was little, his mom became a Christian, and so he began going to church But it wasn't until his parents, for his 16th birthday, gave him a world tour birthday trip, which just imagine that, 16, and they're like, go travel the world. It wasn't until then that he began to realize, man, this doesn't satisfy, and I need to do something else. So he's 16 years old. He's traveling from country to country to country, and he's beginning to realize all the joys of travel, all the joys of getting to try all these foods and meet all these people, it's not doing it for me. And he realizes in that moment, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that will satisfy. And he decides in that moment, he's not only going to follow Jesus, but he says, I want to be a missionary and take the gospel to these same places that I've been traveling to. And so he decided he wants to follow God wholeheartedly. So he goes to college and he goes to Yale, which is a big deal still. And he starts to serve God at Yale. And at Yale, he continues to grow in his faith. And after that, he wanted to be a missionary, like we said. And he wants to take the good news of Jesus to others. And so he signs up to go to China, to work with Muslims in China. But when he gets there, gets ready to leave, there's one thing that's holding him back. And it's a bank account that says 800000. He had $800,000 to his name as his inheritance from his parents. $800,000 in 1800s money. I have no clue, I didn't do the calculations, what that is worth in today's world. But it's a lot. And do you know what he did with it? He gave it to several missions agencies and churches. And he wrote in his Bible, two words, no reserves. Means no reservations said it's worth it to do this. And so his dad hears about this and his dad is furious. Like his dad cannot believe this and he says, "William, you will never have a place in our family company. You will never be able to come work here. You will never have a job, not even an entry-level position." William gets this news and he opens up his Bible again and he writes two more words. No retreat. He says, "I'm not going back." And so In December, he leaves for Egypt to learn Arabic before he can go to China. And after three months of being there, he contracts spinal meningitis, which is very deadly. And he dies four months after he left the United States. But before he died, he wrote two more words in his Bible. He said, no regrets. The pastor of his funeral said this, This man was 25 years old when he died. And the pastor said, apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. And the same was true for Abraham and Sarah. And the question for us tonight is is the same true for you? It's it's really the ultimate test of our faith. Is my faith real? have I decided that I'm going to deny myself and I'm gonna say, God, I don't care what it costs me, but I'm gonna write a blank check and you sign it and you can do whatever you want with my life because I trust you, because I trust that you are trying to save my life and apart from you, I'm going to lose it. And before we get to any of the, the other promises of God, we have to get this right. We have to get this right because we can't live these things out by ourselves. And so nothing else that we say tonight will matter if you haven't trusted in Jesus and said, I'm gonna follow him. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, know this, God promises to save your life if you'll trust him with it. And you might not see it now, and you might not not see it 10 years from now, but he promises that he's gonna save it. And if you've done that, we wanna know, okay, what does that mean practically? All right, like I've signed that check. I'm all in, God, but I don't know what I'm doing now. And so we're gonna keep looking at Abraham and Sarah's life to continue to look at these promises. Right, so Abraham and Sarah, they move far away. They journey to a land called Canaan, which is in modern day Israel. They make it to the promised land. But there's two issues, right? Two issues with the promises that God gave them. One, they don't own the land. Other people live there. And two, they don't have any kids. But God promised them to have a huge number of descendants. And you might be thinking, the kids thing, it seems like a problem, especially because Nick, you said that they were 75 and 65 years old, right? And time goes on, and they get to be 99 and 89, and they still don't have any kids. And I don't want you guys to think about this too in depth, right? Like, don't, but you can imagine why this is an issue. There's not a lot of 89-year-old women having kids out there, right? Right? It's not possible. Biologically, there's some stuff that goes wrong that you just can't have kids after certain points. Welcome to high school health class, I guess. And Abraham and Sarah, they know this, right? They're like, man, we can't have kids. We're way too old. And they begin to doubt. And in the meantime, they begin to lose sight of God's promises. And they begin to listen to their fears and their feelings rather than their faith. And because they're afraid that they won't have a son, they end up having Abraham marry Sarah's servant, Hagar, and they go against God's design for marriage of one man and one woman. In short, they say, we don't really trust God because we're kind of afraid that God's abandoned us. And we've kind of, we've kind of decided that we need to take care of this. We need to take back some of that control so we can make God's promises come true. And later on, God shows up and says, you will actually have a son together. But both of them, they just laugh. They're like, there is no way we're having a son. And then when God calls them on it, he says, why are you laughing? They both lie. They say, I, don't, I didn't laugh. What are you talking about, God? And you can just tell that their fears and their feelings are calling the shots in this, in this situation. And they think, man, there is no way that two old people are gonna have a kid. And they don't really believe in God's promises in those moments. And Abraham and Sarah let their fears and their feelings inform their faith. And before we get too harsh on them, we have to ask ourselves, what determines our actions? Is it your fears or your feelings or is it your faith? When you're at the gym and you're looking at some attractive guy or attractive girl, how do you respond in that moment? Because our feelings tell us, man, it's just one little look. Right? Like, what's, what's the harm? And our, our fears tell us, man, it, what if that's my future spouse? How am I going to know unless I check them out? How am I going to know unless I look lustfully at them if that could be my future spouse? But our faith says, trust in God's course for your life. Don't lust after them but view them as someone who God loves and we have to ask ourselves the question who wins our faith or our fears maybe you're at work and you're stressed about money how do you respond in that moment because our fears tell us man we kind of need to stretch the truth sometimes to make ourselves seem better like we need to engage in the office gossip so that people like us more so that we can get promotions But our faith tells us work as though we're working to God. When you're home alone, and you're feeling like your mind is just spiraling, and you're having trouble trusting God, how do you respond? Because our fears tell us, man, you should just cope. No one really cares about you. You can just do whatever you want. And our feelings tell us, man, spending time with God, it's a waste of energy. Just numb out. God's word is not really going to be that great. Spending time in prayer, reaching out to community, these things, they're not going to help you. But our faith says that God always shows up when we feel out of control. And we have to ask ourselves, do we listen to our fears and our feelings, or do we listen to our faith? Abraham and Sarah, they listened to their fears and their feelings often. And you begin to see throughout Genesis that they paid consequences for that. There was family trauma in their lives. There was broken relationships. There was conflict. And there was fear. And yet despite all of that, listen to how they are remembered in God's word. Hebrews 11, 11 through 12 says, By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, Abraham, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore. And the thing that we see is that deep down, Sarah had faith. She believed in God over her fears, over her feelings. And so she got to have a little baby boy, Isaac. And Abraham, it says he was so old, he was basically dead. How's that for an insult? That, but he had a newborn son. And Sarah is remembered not as someone who is faithless, but as someone who had faith. And it's not because of how she lived, but it's because she chose to focus on God. It says, she considered him faithful who had promised. Faith focuses not on we who are faithless, but on the God who is faithful. This leads us to promise number two. God promises to be faithful when we're faithless. Y'all, if you're here tonight and you have been listening to your fears and your failures, you want to deny yourself, you want to follow the course of God's plan for your life, but you feel like you're failing, it is never too late to turn to God's word and ask for help. He will always be there for you. And you might be facing the consequences of some of your choices, but God promises that if you ask him for help, he will guide you and he will help you because he is faithful. He's the one who cares about you. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, if we are faithless, he being Jesus remains faithful because he can't deny himself. And, And how do we do this practically? What does this look like? How do we have faith in the midst of our fears? If you are struggling to deny yourself and follow Jesus, you humble yourself before God and you tell him, I need help. I just need help. When I was in high school, I I started lifting weights, which some of you guys are probably like, really? And you look at that picture and you're like, really? You lifted weights? Uh, Shout out to Blue Valley West, Coach Fitz, weights class. Um, Maybe not shout out, depending on what you think of that picture. Uh, But the self-discipline has always been good for me, right? I I didn't want to be lazy, so I wanted to get into weightlifting. And there was one issue, though, as you can maybe see from this picture. I was not as strong as the other guys in school right like it just it wasn't going to happen i could not lift as much but i had one thing going for me i was highly competitive which means i wanted to lift as much as the other guys in school and so every single time we would do something i would put too much weight on and i would just be like no 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 i got this right like i've got this and one day i was bench pressing with my lifting partner my spotter evan and he just looks at what i have on the rack and he goes nick no man this is not you need to You need to rethink this. And I'm like, dude, just stand there and help me out, okay? (laughs) And I get down on the bench, and I unrack the weight, and it gets into my chest, and it doesn't go anywhere. Just not, it doesn't go anywhere. Like, I cannot even begin to push it up off of my chest. And Evan, he goes to try to help me, and I'm like, no, 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 I got this, right? Just stay back, Evan, I'm gonna get this. My arms are like shaking, right? They're like flailing around. And eventually I just look up at him, upside down. He's looking at me like this. I just go, Evan, I need help. I need you to lift the weight. And he lifts it up and puts it right back on the rack. I needed help bearing my burden. And spiritually, we need help every single day to take up our cross and deny ourselves. We need Jesus to be a spiritual spotter for when we are weak. But the only difference between our physical strength and our spiritual strength is that unlike the gym, we never have our own spiritual strength. It always comes from God. We can never lift our own cross relying on ourselves. And so practically what this looks like for me is just regular prayer where I would tell God honestly, God, I need you. I, I can't follow you by myself. I need you to help me right now. I need you to help me be faithful in my relationships. I need you to help me be faithful at my job. I need you to help me be faithful in my money, in my thoughts, and in my comfort, in every situation. God, I just, I need you. I just wanna follow you. And we just tell God this simple prayer and we humble ourselves before God because we trust that he's faithful. He's the one who's gonna do the work. Faith is always a gift from God. And we see that in Abraham and Sarah. Even when they've doubted and even when they feared, when they feared, they still humbled themselves and trusted God and they focused on God and God showed up. And God promises to be faithful when we're faithless. As we're talking about Abraham and Sarah, they're a great example to us. We really have to see that they demonstrate amazing faith, but we can never think that they did it on their own. We can never begin to think that these people were just spiritual superstars, and that's what we should try to be, when in reality, what we want to be is humble and dependent people who need our God. And if we don't humble ourselves Our faith will be all about us. And not God. And not God's promises, but rather my ability to go out and chase these things down for myself. And you cannot fulfill God's promises to yourself. Only God can fulfill his promises. And Abraham and Sarah, they understood this. They trusted God. They were focused on him. And you can imagine how happy they were, the joy that they felt when they held that little baby boy thinking back on all the ways that they had doubted, all the ways that they had feared, and they just said, man, God is good. Despite me, God is good. And God answered his promise to bring them a son, regardless of their actions. And what we want to be careful is thinking that if we just humble ourselves, then everything in our life is going to work out, right? That everything that we want, we're just going to get it. And that's not the case. And in fact, we know that there's gonna be a lot of problems in life, and that actually leads us to promise number three. God promises current hardship and a future home. Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16 says, these all, meaning Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, they died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. These verses are saying, y'all, they never got to own the promised land in their lifetime they don't really have a home. They're staying on someone else's property. And if you read Genesis, you see that Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, they lived in tents their entire life. They did not have a physical building to even call home. And there were famines that meant they couldn't even, leave, they couldn't even live in the promised land for years at a time. They had to leave. There was conflict with relatives. There were wars and they were attacked. People treated them like foreigners because they were foreigners. You begin to see, man, there's a lot of trouble. There's a lot of suffering that went in in their life. And in the same way, if you are a follower of Jesus and you are living to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow the course of God's life for you, you will be different. And they're called strangers and exiles and that is exactly what you will be to the world around you. If you are living by faith, that will cause your actions and your lifestyle to be different than what everyone else does. You'll look different. Your social life, your relationships, your weekends, you'll feel like, man, I don't really fit in with these people. Denying yourself and taking up your cross will mean that people will look at you and they'll say, man, that's a stranger. They don't really seem like they belong here. And that won't be comfortable. And not only that, but this world is just broken. There are issues in this world. I don't wish these on anyone, but you'll face family issues. You'll face sickness. You'll face cancer. You'll lose loved ones. You'll lose your job. You'll face loss. And there will be trouble for you in this earth because this earth is broken. And Jesus himself promises this. On his last night on earth, Jesus says this to his followers. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble and suffering, but take courage. I have conquered the world. And I love this about Jesus. He just says it so bluntly. He says, this world will not like you. Elsewhere he says, all men will hate you because of your faith in Jesus. And he promises you will have current hardship, but... He also promises a future home. And in Hebrews 11, it says that that is what got Abraham and Sarah through their suffering, through being treated as strangers and exiles, never having the promised land because they were looking forward to a better country. There's a great movie that's an illustration for this. Have you all ever seen The Good Dinosaur? Anyone? Show of hands. No? Okay. Okay. It is by far the scariest and strangest children's movie I've ever seen, right? I saw this on a college trip with some buddies. Don't, like, don't watch this movie with kids, right? So there's Arlo, the little dinosaur. I'm going to spoil this, by the way. It's like eight years old. Spoilers are way past time. But he's terrified of the world around him, which already means there's jump scares in this movie. And really quickly into the movie, he loses his dad in an accident. So already... Pixar Disney movie tragedy, number one. And then shortly after this, he gets lost and he's separated from home. And so that's, you know, tragedy number two. And then along the way, there are cannibalistic pterosaurs that are trying to eat him, which is like, how did they come up with this? There's like hallucinogenic berries that he and this little boy spot eat. I'm like, what is this movie? There's raptors that are meth addicts. Like, when you're watching this movie, the raptors show up, and they're, like, scratching their arms, and their hair's kind of stringy, and their teeth are falling out. And I'm watching this movie, I'm like, that's a meth addict. Like, what is this doing in a children's movie? I, uh, there's this creepy adult stranger who just, like, talks to him and appears out of the woods. I'm like, what is this movie? It's not anything that you want in a children's film. Uh, anyways, the whole time, right? <laughs> All that aside... Arlo and his human boy named Scott, or Spot, uh, shout out Scotts out there, they undergo many trials and troubles that I have just mentioned. And the one thing that gets them through is that they're focusing on returning home. They're focusing on trying to get back to their people and to their homeland. And that is the exact same goal for us as followers of Jesus, except we aren't at home in the world anymore. We are looking forward to a future home. And in Hebrews 11, Abraham and Sarah, it says they're not trying to go back to Mesopotamia. They're not just trying to recreate what they had here on earth. They're looking forward to something different. And what God's word tells us, they're seeking a better country or a heavenly one. It's a city that God had prepared. They're talking about heaven or what's called in the Bible a new Jerusalem. And in the same way, if we want to look at God's promises, we need to know what our future home is. If we want to have the faith of Abraham and Sarah, we need to know what our future home is. And rather than describing it to you, because I cannot begin to do it justice, we're just going to look at Revelation 21, where it's perfectly outlined. It's a long passage, but it describes our our future home perfectly. Listen to this. Listen to how amazing heaven is. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first city had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, Y'all, can you imagine this place? If you were a follower of Jesus, God has said, this is where you end up if you die. If we're going to have faith in our current hardships, we need to focus on our future home. We look forward to the day where we won't have tears. We won't have crying or death or sin or pain. And most importantly, we'll get to see God face to face. And so as you go out and you live differently and you speak up about Jesus and people just disregard you or make fun of you behind your back or you have family sickness or hardships in this earth, you won't be surprised because in this world you will have troubles. But Jesus says, take heart. He has overcome the world. And that means that he is creating a new world for us one day. And I want to ask you this. If you don't stand out, if you fit in well with everyone else around you and your life doesn't look any different from the rest of the world, and you say the same things and you date the same way and you work the same way as everyone else around you, could it be that you haven't denied yourself? We said earlier, God wants to save your life. But if you want to save your life yourself, you'll lose it. And I know this sounds crazy, and I know it. it's hard to believe at times, but this is actually real. This is a, a place that we are going to be one day. And that's what faith is. It's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. And we can trust ourselves and live for this earth, which will pass away, or we can trust God who's making a new city for you one day. It says he's making something new. Revelation 21 actually continues. And it elaborates on this home that Abraham and Sarah were hoping for. It says, and he who is seated on the throne, being God, said, behold, I'm making all things new. He said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He's saying, this is a promise right here. Write what he's saying. This is a promise. He said, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give the spring of the water of life without payment. It says it's free. You don't have to pay. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And y'all, this is a really hard truth. This doesn't seem like something that makes sense on the surface. It seems so harsh. But we have to take a step back and think about this. If God is going to get rid of death and pain and mourning and crying and a perfect God is going to be with us constantly, then you can't have anything that causes death or pain or mourning or crying or imperfection. Murder brings death. Sexual sin brings crying and pain. Lying brings mourning. Faithlessness is imperfection. And if people who live these ways are in heaven, then heaven is no longer perfect. And without Causes us to ask the question: Well, what about about Abraham and Sarah? Right? They were cowardly. Abraham lied when someone asked him if Sarah was his wife, because he was afraid for his own life. They were faithless, as we talked about. They were sexually immoral. They were idolaters. They were liars. And closer for home, what does this mean for us? Because we've all sinned. We've all been faithless to God. We've all lied. God says that anyone who hates someone in their heart, that person is a murderer. He says that anyone who looks lustfully, in their heart, they've committed adultery. And so our portion is the lake of fire. Our promise is the second death, which is hell. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Sin needs to be paid for. Sin demands a sacrifice. And Abraham, his faith was tested by God, and God calls him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And he says, are you really going to trust me with your future? He said, are you really made new? God says, prove it. Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, who he had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. And y'all, can you imagine how painful this journey was for Abraham? It says he took Isaac on a journey that was a mountain three days away. Three days away, he has to travel with his beloved son and think, I am going to kill this son for my faith in God. And they get off the donkeys, and they slowly begin climbing the mountain, and they've got the heavy wood for the offering. And Isaac, he doesn't know where the sheep is that they're going to sacrifice. And Abraham says, just trust me, my son. God will provide the sheep. And they get to the top, and Abraham, he builds the altar, and he puts his son on it and binds him on top, and he pulls out the knife. And as he's going to sacrifice his only son, God sends an angel and says, stop. Let me take care of this. That's not how I do things. And Abraham looks over, and there's a ram caught in the thicket. And they sacrifice this ram, and it's a burnt offering for their sin. And it's a reference to what God would do 2,000 years later because God is faithful and because sin demands a sacrifice. So rather than making anyone else sacrifice themselves, rather than saying, you know what, you can pay for the consequences of your sin forever, he decides I am going to give my only son. And I'm going to make him ascend a hill, carry the wood, and he's going to be the sacrifice for our sins. And Jesus is the payment for Abraham's sin, and he's the payment for your sin and for my sin. And that leads us to promise number four. God promises to provide a sacrifice. Jesus was died. He was killed and raised to new life. Why? So that sin and death could be beaten. Because there's a wage that has to be paid, that has to be satisfied. But Jesus died in your place and in my place so that we could have a home with Abraham and Sarah and Isaac in heaven so that God could be with you face to face. He loves you so much that he decided to send his son to die on the cross for your sins. He says, behold, I am making all things new. Write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. It is done. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty I will give the spring of water of life without payment. The promises of God are not about the faithless. They are about the God who's faithful. If you believe that Jesus was raised from the grave, then you have been made new. Do you believe that God can raise the dead? Do you believe that that's true? Because Abraham did. Hebrews eleven nineteen 19 says he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back. Abraham said, man, God is so powerful, he can raise the dead. He believed in the resurrection. And y'all, if you don't believe in this future life, then the current hardships and the fears and the feelings of our life, the call to take up our cross and deny ourselves daily, it will seem like too much. If you're trying to do that yourself at work or in your relationships or in your life or in your thoughts or with your finances, that call will be worthless to you. Because if there's no future, there's no hope now. But if you view God as good and faithful, the call to deny yourself daily, it's a small price for the future that awaits you. Make no mistake, y'all, you are building your life on something. And if it's not God's promises, you will be let down. It's why it's so important that we focus on God. And not focus on ourselves, not focus on what we can do, but we focus and get to know the God who is faithful. And so in closing, if you want to know, how do I live this way? How do I emulate the faith of Abraham and Sarah? Here are four practicals for you. Four applications, very simple things that we can do. One, you read God's word to find God's promises. You got to know God's promises, you got to know what they are. And you, you get in the Bible, you get in a Bible study. And if you need help with that, we would absolutely love to help you. Two, humbly pray every day for God's help to overcome your fears and your faith or your feelings. A lot of times I just find myself journaling and I'll write down the things that I know are lies and I'll be like, God, I'm having a hard time trusting you in this. And that's all you have to do. You can go on a prayer walk and do this. You can pray with friends. There's so many different ways you can do this, but you just tell God, God, I need you. I'm not strong enough to do this myself. And then three, you focus on your future home when you face present troubles. And as you face the hardships of life, you take a step back and you remember no, I don't belong here. I belong in heaven. And you look forward to that day and it builds hope because you'll get to see God face to face. And four, you remember the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You preach the gospel to yourself every day. And you say, man, how good is the God who loves me? Y'all, this can be anyone here in this room It doesn't matter how much faith you feel like you have or how many times you feel like you've been to church or how much you feel like you know about the Bible. God says he is the one who is making all things new. And so if you want to have this life, it's available to you. As we're singing, as we're worshiping, the band's gonna come out and we're gonna pray and then sing. But I just wanna encourage you guys Do business with God in your hearts. If you need to humble yourself before God, that is something that I find myself doing every single day. If you've been struggling with fears or your feelings, just tell God that. If you want to begin a relationship with God, you just tell him that. You say, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want your course for my life. And if you want to know, is it it worth it? Look at the example of Abraham and Sarah. Look at the example of These heroes of the faith who had amazing faith, not because of themselves, but because of the God who's faithful. And you entrust yourself to the God who's perfect and always loves. Bow your heads, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we really do trust you with this, God. God, I pray that, God, whatever we're afraid of, God, at work or in our relationships or with money, God, would we look at the example of Abraham and Sarah and how they left everything? And God, we know that they didn't do it perfectly and we know that we are not gonna do it perfectly either. But God, would you please give every single man and woman in this room the faith to trust you? Would you please give them the faith to rely on you? Would you give me, God, the strength that I need to follow you in everything that I do? God, we believe that this only comes from you, God. And I just pray that we would look forward to the future home where you're gonna wipe away every tear and death is gonna be no more and crying and sickness and pain. And God, I cannot wait for that day. And God, I pray that would you give us the faith to be able to see that clearly, to be able to look at your promises and your word and trust in you. And God, most importantly, would not a day goes by that we don't reflect and remember that you are the one who has provided a sacrifice for our sin. And Jesus, we love you, and we thank you, and we offer our lives to you in worship. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.